So imagine this. Big news flash. I, I, I love news flashes, and especially weather reports. Drives Lori nuts. Hey, Lori, it's going to storm. Hey, did you see the, the radar? It's coming. It's, oh, we're like an hour and 15 minutes away. And I am always updating and updating. She thinks I'm crazy oh, until it actually happens. And it's like, <laughs> told you so. <laughs> Once in a while, it doesn't, and I eat crow. But anyway, imagine the news flash. The storm of the year is coming. The snowstorm, just like Mike and Julie's wedding, did not see it coming. And if they did, they were hoping it wouldn't hit. It just kind of, but it didn't. It snowed and snowed on their wedding day. But imagine the prediction, the big blizzard. It's 3 a.m., zero degrees outside. It's going to be ice as well. Everything's going crazy. Now imagine guys huddling around some coffee, really big guys. And they're bulked up with extra gloves, hats, and winter clothes, or even bigger. And, and they got, let's, okay, similar guts. But anyway, they have bigger, <laughs> either way, they're enjoying their coffee in white styrofoam cups because they're plow drivers. They're ready to go out. Nobody knows about these guys. Nobody knows they exist until they need them. They kind of work behind the scenes. And sure enough, as they're standing around, a few guys took off to get under their trucks. A big, bright light appears out of nowhere and begins to tell them some news. <laughs> These angels that came to talk to these guys, they are not going to the television stations. They are definitely not going to Ottawa. All right? And they're for sure not stopping by our premier's home. You know, no chance. But instead, comes to these snowplow drivers, which are the shepherds in our story today. These are the men that are on the outskirts, they're in the margins. You get mad at them when they're, when they're hurting their sheep. I mean, their plows are on the highway, and, and you can't get past. And you're frustrated, but these shepherds, these plow drivers, these people that nobody sees, these are the ones the angels come to. Let's see what happens to their little store. If we could roll video. Uh, lights out, please. Someone has to watch the sheep. What are you talking about? Someone has to watch the sheep. They're sheep, okay? They, they eat, they poop, they sleep. They'll be fine. Let's go. That is the same thing that you said when you wanted to go see the Mutton and Sons concert, and we saw it, and we lost half our flock. We lost half Sam! Angels, they just popped out of the sky, and instead of sprinting to Bethlehem, you're all like, no, we, we gotta take care of the sheep. What about their abandonment issues? Hey, guys, I'm gonna race you. Okay, last one there is the stinky loincloth. Let's go! Look, okay, the angels are there, okay? That, that's what they do. That's why we call them guarding angels. No, 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 it's guardian angels. Guardian. Tomato, tomato! Who cares? Why are we still standing here? Someone needs to watch the sheep. You know it, I know it, and the sheep know it. Sheep don't feel. You can't prove that. Fine. There's only one way to solve this. Rock parchment shears. Loser stays with the sheep. Rock, Rock parchment shears shoot. Rock parchment shears shoot. Rock parchment shears shoot.
today. Today, in the town of David, a Savior will be born unto you. Right. Why did the angel say that? Why did the angel tell a bunch of lowly shepherds about the coming of the Messiah? I mean, why us? I don't know why us. But they did. So maybe, maybe this Messiah didn't just come for for people that matter. Maybe he came. Maybe he came for people like us. Which is all the more reason why we need to go. I know. And I want to. It's just a lot to take in. It's been a crazy night. Hey, did, did you see? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did you see how fast I was running? Over there, I was like a lightning bolt. But um, no, you guys are never gonna believe this. Um, I forgot my good cloak. <laughs> Can you imagine me meeting the Messiah without my good cloak? <laughs> that would be ridiculous. I can't even. I'll see you. Let me bottom line this for you. I, I, for one, cannot not go see this Messiah. Okay? So if what you're saying is that I, instead of seeing the man who's going to change everything, have to stay here and sheep sit, well, that just won't work for me. You're right. You're right. But before we go, I'm not trying to nitpick, but you said cannot not, and that's a double negative. It is. Promise me when we go meet the Messiah, you cannot not talk like that. Promise me you won't talk like that to the Messiah. Promise me. He's a baby. He's in swaddling clothes. I don't think he's going to care how we do... Okay, fine. Me talk pretty. Let's go. Wait. I think I just solved our problem. What what are you guys still doing here? What what are you waiting for? It's the king of kings, okay? So less standy, more runny. Frank, take a knee. Okay. We were playing Rock Parchment Cheers. Oh, yeah? You lost. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to see something today you may have never seen before. It happened to me as I was preparing. I never saw a connection like I hope you see today. It got me excited for the story. As in, this whole story was actually thought through. Do you remember the predictions, the prophecy of this Jesus, the Messiah, coming from the city of David? All through the Old Testament, the Jews knew about this Messiah. And last week, we talked about who was actually looking for this Messiah. Nobody, except for these wise guys. That was it. They were looking through history. They, they understood the stuff, but the Jews didn't. In fact, when Herod went and asked the Jewish leaders, so where's this Messiah supposed to be born? Uh, Bethlehem, of course. We all know that. And they weren't ready. They didn't care. Very indifferent. But here, there is a bridge, and the shepherds play a major role in this very small, maybe small to you, but I thought it was big, this bridge of the connection between the prophecy, and why the angels came to see the shepherds. I want you to see it today. Luke is the only writer who writes about the shepherds. 
And here's what he says. These are the guys that get the front row seat of angels. And I think it's the only, well, it's a second, but in the New Testament, is the only person or a group of people that saw more than one angel. The other ones are stored in the Old Testament where guys looking out over the castle. God pray, you know, the guy prays, open the eyes of my servant so he can see the armies around. He sees all these angels and chariots and everything else. It's pretty cool. I'd love to see that. But this is even more amazing. Real angels, like right there, talking to. Him. First, it's one, and then whoa, a huge host. You thought they were scared with just one angel? Can you imagine when the whole sky lit up with a whole ton of them? I would love to see that. Lord, it would really help my faith even more. <laughs> that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. Guarding the flocks of their sheep. Suddenly. So it wasn't like this gradual, you know, turning up the brightness. It was a boom. Headlight beams. We're talking HD, high beams, LED, super bright, kind of light. The angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. They were scared. And for the record... You would too. Because it's not a common occurrence. If you see a certain movie enough times, certain parts that shock you don't shock you anymore because you know it's coming. They never saw this coming. Their job was not a glamorous one. In fact, it stunk in more ways than one. It was not one that anybody wanted. It was considered low on the rung of, of uh, prestige for anybody. It was steady work, and somebody had to do it. And here these guys are in the presence of angels. Sensing their fear, I don't know if it was the dropped jaw, the, the clinging and jumping onto their buddy. You know, I'm sure the angel somehow sensed they were afraid. That's when he spoke to their terror. He says, I see that you're afraid. (laughs) Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. The angel assured them right away, don't be afraid. Do you know why this is so important? Anything to do with the love of God does not have fear in it. That's the gospel too. Too many times I grew up with learning about scaring you religiously. As in, scare the hell right out of you. So you say the prayer. You know, it's fear, fear, fear. All this fear mongering. God's going to get you if you don't. You better shape up or God will, you know, watch out. Everything, you know, it'll all, your sins will find you out. You mean the ones Jesus paid for? The ones he put away? Really? Do not be afraid. Any message that brings fear and condemnations, condemnation is not from God. Period. That's an easy, easy telltale. But here the angel reassures them, don't be afraid. And the angel was not mad that they were afraid. He was introducing a new emotion that was allowed. So it's okay, you're emotionally allowed to be scared, but I'm going to tell you something else. You don't have to be afraid because i got some great news for you. So it gives them some amazing news. By the way, this is a pattern. Seems like every time an angel shows up in the New Testament, somebody's afraid. (laughs) Take a look. 
Zechariah, when he was in the sanctuary, in the temple, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. So would you. You're doing your ritual, the thing you've been waiting your whole life to do. You get a one-time shot of this thing, and an angel shows up. And he makes you a mute. How fair is that? You can't even tell people about it. It's terrible. And Gabriel appeared to, to Mary. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. Obviously, the angel discerned she was afraid. Are you getting the pattern here? It's okay to be afraid. Don't stay there. They all received the message, do not fear. So it was good that the angels knew as quickly came out of the angel's mouth saying, look, I've got some great news. I'm going to replace your fear with joy. And that's what the good news does. It takes fear and replaces it with joy. Listen to this. I bring you good news that will be great joy for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in snuggly little strips of cloth, lying in a manger. By the way, did you hear the the misquote of that uh, shepherd? (laughs) I did too. He said, uh, the angel said the the baby will be born. That's what he said, but this is correct. (laughs) The baby has been born. Otherwise, it would not have been news. News is something that has already happened. And the angel was declaring really good news. This was the pinnacle of history. In fact, this is one of the most important times of history where God came to earth as a man. He never gave up his deity, but he put on humanity. He lived fully as a human man by being fully God at the same time. He just chose not to live out of his divinity. He comes in as a very, very tiny baby needing to be taken care of by somebody else, as in dependent. In our society, we think independence is the number one pinnacle. This Independence is what we're aiming for. We don't want to have anybody else take care of us. And that turns into pride, more and more pride. Dependence is what we're called to. Learning to be dependent on God. The God who's real, not the angry one, not the one who's going to judge us, because that God doesn't even exist. But the one who came and said, do do not fear. I bring you good news. So who would receive this good news? (laughs) It was the shepherds, the outcasts, the lowest. They were out in the fields instead of the influential city. Mostly, well, (laughs) we had some uh, Syrian refugees coming. What does our prime minister do? Comes and meets them. That's a great thing to do. And if he heard Jesus was coming, he'd be showing up there too. You know, hey, greetings. On behalf of Canada. Well, the angels, who knew the kingdom better, went to the one place, this little, tiny Hickville of Bethlehem. It was tiny. It was good news. Nobody gets left out. The birthplace where the Savior is links back, and here it is, to the Old Testament. I want to read you something really, really cool. And you'll, hopefully you'll remember this story. 1 Samuel 16, 11 to 13 says this. Samuel asked, because he's gone to David's dad's house, 
because God told Samuel to go there and pick out a king. He, God told Samuel, I've got one guy in that family I'm going to name as king. So Samuel goes to the house. He goes through the whole thing. Is This guy, he could be good. He looks really good. He'll, he'd be an awesome king. And God said, no, not him. He goes on to the next one and the next and the next. And he finally gets to the end row. And that's it. There's no other kids. No other people. And so Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Uh, no, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Are you making the connection yet? If you don't, I'm going to tell you the connection so you don't have to get it. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. I don't know how to say that with any more drama, but anyway. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now, in some churches, when we anoint people with oil, you take a little dab and pop it on their forehead, and with a bit of a glare of the light, you can see where it hit. It's nice. We call that anointing with oil. That was not the case here. This was a pouring. We're talking, just, just you got my clothes dirty, man. What you doing? Like, that's, that, that's how much oil went on. And here's the humbling part. The one who was rejected in his family, David, the reject, doing the lowest job because nobody else would do it, but somebody had to do it. David, in the fields, a shepherd. Why do you think the angels came to see shepherds? A direct connection. And probably, listen, according to history and some scholars, that was the same David's field. Think about that. This story was planned in advance. Thought through. Believe me, if you're feeling like you're a nobody, at Speedy, you're a somebody. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> in the Lord's eyes, you're a somebody. You're a created child of God who can do nothing to be rejected. You can do no behavior that will stop God from loving you. It's an impossibility. He fully loves you, fully values you, fully accepts you. What do your behaviors have to do with any of this? Your behaviors are a response to what you believe. If you believe God is good, you'll live in response to that. If you don't think He exists, you'll live like that. It's, you live by what you believe. Everybody lives their life based on their belief of who they think God is. And many people have a wrong concept of who they think God is and will just live their lives like that. They just don't know. Which is why we have good news. That's what this is all about. It gets better. A little later. David is about... To, oh, by the way, what you don't know about this story? I may not know. Saul is the current king of Israel. Samuel anointed Saul too, drenched him with the oil. But because of a choice he made, he really disobeyed God. God took away his kingdom and anointed David as king. 
But from that day on, it was another 40 years before David became the functioning king. Saul and David, same time. David could not enter into the role of king. 40 years. In 2 Samuel, this happens. David is reminded... And we need reminding. Listen to this. In 2 Samuel 7, 8 and 9, and then verse 16, he says, Now go and say to my servant David, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be my leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time. And your throne will be secure forever. We need that reminder. Because many of us have forgotten what God has done for us. That he's completely forgiven us. But here David needed the reminder. He said, David, I have taken you from the field. I have chosen you. You thought you were lowly and nobody, but I have made you my servant. And it was from David's lineage. Take a look at his lineage. That's where Jesus came out of. And Jesus is the king now and forever. His kingdom will never come to an end. These are prophetic words. It's a powerful, powerful picture. He needed to be reminded. King David, the shepherds. David was a shepherd himself. Are you seeing the connection? This is on purpose. There's some words in this, in the text that we've been looking at that mean something. By the way, let's do this one real quick. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. I want to zoom in in a couple words and then we'll be done. The word bring good news. You get our English word evangelize from. It means to speak it. And the angels spoke it. They spoke the good news. It can be shown, but generally it's called speak it. And so what the shepherds did, they then went back and evangelized, spoke the good news of everything they heard and saw. And people were shocked. These guys are telling something profound. That's what evangelize means. It's not supposed to be a Bible-thumping club that goes door-to-door and and making people feel, oh, don't come to my door. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be an authentic sharing of good news and natural relationships wherever we can go. The second word, that was the first word. The second word is kara. It's the word for joy. Kids are going to get real excited at Christmas Day. And we're just going to be thrilled for them as we watch them rip their presents open and, and all that stuff and all the noise and headaches that go with that. But nobody's going to be yelling at the kids saying, Stop being joyful. Life is hard. You're going to find out one day. That's not going to happen. You let them enjoy. In fact, you'll think, Oh, man, I remember when I used to do that. Oh, to go back to that would be so cool. Like, that's how you respond. Letting kids be kids. And we have a lot to learn about being kids. The word laos is the Greek word for people. And the gospel is intended to go beyond just the Jews. When the angel said, this is for all people, for everybody, not just Jews. Because the Jews thought they were pretty elite. 
They were God's chosen ones. So clearly, they were more important than anybody else. The elite club. Why do you think we have so many churches? <laughs> why, do you, why do you think we have so many denominations? Oh, because we have the writer understanding. <laughs> Got to speak gooder English, I know. Right. Semeron is the Greek word for today. Today, a child has been born. Today, Jesus brings the perfect now. Now is the time for good news. For you as individuals, your now is to believe it. And the now will continue every moment, every day. As the Holy Spirit makes it clear to you, said, yeah, this, this is God. Huh, okay, he is real. Jesus is the Savior for all people, which is the major theme of the book of Luke. The next word, sorter, is the Greek word for Savior. Which you may not know that both Greek and Roman rulers were referred to as saviors. Did you know that? That was a normal term. So when Jesus comes as the Savior, this is now an insult to all those leaders. Because they expected their saviors to protect them, and they're not doing that. Let me read this. To proclaim Jesus as Savior in the Greek environment of the Gentile mission, it was to affirm that he was a universal deliverer for whom people longed, who could do for them what neither their rulers nor their gods could accomplish. Only Jesus could truly release people from their bondage to evil, fate, death, and corruption. It's not just Savior. He is the Savior who will deliver. And he has. He succeeded. Kiros is the word for Lord. Out of 166 times this word is used in the Gospels, Luke uses it 95 times. He's heavy on this word Lord. Again, recognizing leadership. Doxa is the word for glory. Great word. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those whom God is pleased glory. But then there's something else that happens in this phrase, peace. Glory to God in the highest heaven comes first. Always. Then peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Recognizing who God is comes first. Internal peace comes right along with it. You can't make yourself believe, just so you know. God gives you that encouragement from the inside. Like, huh, I want to believe, but I'm having a hard time. But only God can turn that switch on for you and go, oh, okay, I believe. Don't understand it all, but I don't have to. Believe the portion he gives you to believe. That's all you're made accountable for. The New Testament scholar N.T. Wright wrote this. What good news regularly does, then, is to put a new event into an old story. Point to a wonderful future, hitherto out of reach. And so introduce a new period in which, instead of living a hopeless life, people are now waiting with excitement for what they know is on the way. The Christian good news is supposed to be this kind of thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ comes as news within a larger story. It points to a wonderful new future, and it introduces a new period of waiting that changes our expectations. Everything will be different now because of the good news. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem! Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying 
in the manger. They had a choice. The news was declared to them, and they could have just said, that was pretty cool. Pass me a hot dog, and I'm going to roast another one. They could have done that. But they didn't. They responded and actually got up and went. Because something in them told them, this is something I cannot miss. And they rushed. And then they couldn't keep their mouths shut. This is the best part. After seeing the shepherds, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, and the angel said to them about what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. They were the first evangelists. And all they did was share what they are excited about. What are you excited about? Nothing. Typical Canadian. Come on. What excites you? And I'm not talking about personality types. But there's something in life that keeps you going. Whether it's a good relationship, a sport, something drives you. What about God drives you? Has he given you some hope, some good news? Then latch on to that and milk it. Study it. Pursue it. Try and find out more. And if nothing else, do what Mary did. Take in what you hear and ponder it. Ponder it. You don't have to go running out and telling everybody. But ponder. From history, it says that, uh, from some scholars have suggested that Mary was the one who had to confirm the stories of the shepherds when Luke, the writer, was writing. She had to say, yes, these are the guys, or yes, that really did happen. She was there. She'd been pondering all these things up. A lot happened that are not, a lot of stories have happened about Jesus that are not recorded in Scripture. That's okay. We've been given enough. Enough for us to believe. Enough for us to know. The only thing left for us now is to share our our story of our encounter with God. And if we haven't encountered Him, then sit and rest and listen and see how God may show you more of His love. First of all, you need to believe He loves you. If you're not there yet, that's fine. There's no rush. God's in charge of your journey. It is a good news story. I thought it was really cool seeing the bridge of the shepherds in the field of David. And that's where David was when he was called to be king. (laughs) And now we have the real king, this baby. It's, It's a pretty cool bridge. All right, let's pray.